Hello and welcome to the IOTA Unum podcasts from the Latin Mass Society. In the company of some great friends of tradition from around the world, we will be drilling into some of the fundamental issues affecting us today in the church and the world. Hello and welcome to another IOTA Unum podcast from the Latin Mass Society. This is part two of a two-part discussion with Roger Buck, a convert to the Catholic faith from the New Age and author of The Gentle Traditionist and other works. We will be continuing our discussion of the New Age. I'd like to begin this part of our discussion with a question about theosophy. As I know from your autobiographical book, Roger, Cor Jesu Sacratissimum, many movements and ideas have contributed to the New Age. One could name astrology, Jungian psychoanalysis, hermeticism, romanticism, and even Freemasonry. But one stands out the Theosophy of Helena Bravatsky and Alice Bailey. These two authors offered an English-speaking audience a repackaged collection of ideas and technical terms from Buddhism and Hinduism, chakras, ascended masters, enlightenment, and so on, and built these into a system which is at the heart of the New Age movement today. And yet, Theosophy is not a term which we hear very much, or even at all. Roger, how important is Theosophy? And can you tell us something about it? Theosophy is a 19th century thought system, cosmology. It's a vast thing that entered the West through actually a Russian called Madame Helena Lavatsky. And it was very influential in its time. You know, there were actually, you know, members of the British Parliament. I think something like six of them were, who were openly and avowedly um, theosophists. You know, Gandhi um, um, very much recognized um, Blavatsky's in, impact on his life. Theosophy threads through all kinds of things. But before I really come to saying, you know, more about theosophy, let me say this. Um, I see theosophy as the hidden root of so much of the new age. But again, we're still with the problem that the new age is notoriously difficult to define. And I'd just like to back up a bit and introduce some terms that a Dutch um, researcher, academic, his name is Hanegraaff, has brought in for trying to look at the new age. And yeah, uh, we'll see why this is important in a minute. He speaks about looking at the new age in the sense of sansu latu or sansu stricto, which means in the broad sense of the term, sansu latu, or in the strict sense of the term. In the broad sense of the term, maybe theosophy is not all that obvious to people because you just have this vast amorphous thing of yoga and Reiki and these various healing methods that come largely but not entirely from the East, you know, astrology, tarot, all these channel books and you can look at sort of that in the broad sense of the term and say, well, what's Roger talking about in these books? Why is he saying theosophy is so important um, when there's all this other stuff? But if you start looking at New Age in the strict sense of the term, the sensu stricto, as this um, Dutch academic speaks about it, you can begin to see why theosophy is so important because in the strict sense of the term, the sort of very core of the new age, you begin to have very clear and sharp ideas 
begin to emerge. And I think central here is the idea of a collective evolution of consciousness. The idea that the human race is developing towards higher and higher and higher levels of consciousness. It, it fits in with you know, progressiveness very easily. And very key here is the idea of the age of Aquarius, that all of this is being facilitated by astrological factors. So according to this theosophy, we are now moving into an age of Aquarius where we are going to become like enlightened almost magically, like everything is incredibly progressive. And it, as I say, this gets very abstruse and tough, but it feeds into the new age strict sense of the term very, very much. It also, I think what I should also say here about Blavatsky and I'm also more here with another even lesser known theosophist who followed Blavatsky called Alice Bailey. She was an English woman, went to India in her youth, was actually a Christian missionary in India and very much followed Blavatsky's Eastern theosophy. Very few people have heard of her. Not enough people have heard of her in my view because she was not a charismatic figure. She was not a popular figure, but she wrote these extremely dense theosophical books um, that this is where we get the idea of the new age. We get the idea that we're entering into this new age of Aquarius where consciousness is going to be transformed. I mean, transformation is a very big new age word. You know, the transformation of consciousness. And what this really means, you know, in the Alice Bailey books is this kind of staggering um, world that looks almost like sinless. Um, you know, where, where we've changed into something incredible. But what it also ends up working towards Joseph is again, the negation of Christianity. Uh, this is through and through theosophy. So in Alice Bailey's variant of theosophy, now that we are entering the age of Aquarius, it means that we are leaving another age behind, the age of Pisces, the fishes. And the age of Pisces is of course, the age of Christianity. And in a certain way, Alice Bailey is just working constantly, rather subtly actually, because she actually says nice things about Christianity, but it's just part of the past. It's part of the old age, it's not the new age. Um, with Helena Blavatsky, it's like there's this naked hatred of everything Western. There's this obvious hatred of Christianity, but hatred of Western philosophy in general. Um, also Judaism. It's like Blavatsky makes it very clear, the East is here to enlighten the West and, and, and the West is in a terrible state, we need the East. Alice Bailey is far more subtle and, and deceptive. You can actually, as I say, find things praising Christianity. And I'm sorry if this gets all very abstruse, but it, it fits in with what I'm speaking about new age in the strict sense of the term. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come to this, 
But I'll just give one more example here that emerges in Alice Bailey's um, version of theosophy. Alice Bailey speaks about the Christ, you know, never Jesus Christ, but the Christ, the Christ, the Christ. And she speaks very reverently and highly about the Christ. Um, but what does she mean by the Christ? Well, according to Alice Bailey, um, the Christ is the Maitreya Bodhisattva, who is an entity that Buddhists see as, re as reincarnating again and again and again until this entity becomes the next Buddha. Um, so in a certain, it gets all incredibly abstruse, and I'm sorry to torture you with this and to torture our listeners with it, but in my view, it's actually very significant. Um, when you look beyond the new age in the wide sense, and you go to the real core of the movement, you will find these ideas of the age of Aquarius, about Christ as the, you know, reincarnating Maitreya Bodhisattva, are there and then and then this feeds into the more general popular new age so obviously you had in the 60s this massive hit you know dawning of the age of aquarius those people would not necessarily have read alice bailey because alice bailey is tough stuff to read i read thousands of pages of it in my youth but it, it wasn't easy um but this kind of ideology is actually going into pop songs and all kinds of things. And as, as I guess I'm going to be talking to you about at some point, Joseph, I was actually at a place called Findhorn, which isn't, you know, actually associated with Alice Bailey, but it's actually, as I see it, it's got Alice Bailey through and through and through its roots. Yes, yes, I think I mean, for the benefit of, of, of listeners, um, Perhaps I, I, I'd, I'd like to take up one of these. I mean, this 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 problem. I mean, it is a it is a problem that the you know the, the, the serious writers on on the as you explain in, in the in the core Yezu book um, in particular, the serious writers of of, of New Age movement um, um, are perhaps not the ones that are you know writing the books with kind of um, raised. Um, uh, raised lettering on the on the front covers, which you buy in in, in airports, <laughs> um, but they they um, they're the ones who inspire the ones who do. Um, and I, I I've I've read a little bit of New Age literature in my day, and um, I I really haven't progressed beyond the the most um, you know popular stuff. And it's 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 quite easy to read, and it's 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 appealing in in various obvious ways, and it's not very demanding. But those individuals who write those books um, and who give the kind of meditation retreats and, and come on and you know help you rearrange your pebbles in your garden or whatever it is that they do they are themselves the disciples of this kind of this this inner inner group um, the more serious writers um, and they won't you know the popular writers they won't they won't be reading Alice Bailey um, but the serious writers are so there's this kind of inner group, and it, it, I'm not I'm not saying this is a kind of conspiracy or, or anything peculiar. This is about how many movements work. Indeed, you could say make the same point about Christianity. So, um, you know, there there are there are kind of popular Catholic writers, and there are there are kind of more academic, uh, more 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 scholarly writers, um, and the popular ones, if they're any good, are ones who absorbed the ideas through this, uh, you know, percolating down 
Um, and then you go back beyond the you know, scholarly writers, who are they getting their inspiration from? Where's scripture, the fathers of the church? So in the case of in the case of the New Age, it's not the fathers of the church, it's Alice Bailey and uh, Blavatsky. Um, but Alice Bailey has taken on this particularly important role. Um, and being able to read, being able to understand, uh, having the stomach to read Alice Bailey is obviously something which is 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 given only to the kind of you know the the cognoscenti the kind of the the illuminati of the movement the kind of the inner the inner initiates um of, of the whole thing and i thought i must say i was fascinated by your roger your um uh, account of of when you were your peak um how you would spend hours in meditation and then you'd read hundreds and hundreds of pages uh, week by week and getting through vast volumes of this incredibly abstruse stuff and i thought look at listen look at you this is this you you get you 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 can how this is how you can get totally kind of immersed in a tradition um in a in a, in a language in a way of talking in a thought world um, and of course, once you do that, you, the whole thing becomes makes sense much easily, more easily. You can start reading it more quickly. You can the whole thing. You can see all the connections and stuff. People starting at it is a nightmare. It's a nightmare of really complicated technical terms and distinctions which don't seem to make any sense. And ah, um, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I've had the most, 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 you know, superficial brushes with this kind of thing, and it's. And it's 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 very unappealing uh, from an intellectual, spiritual, moral point of view. But it, nevertheless, you, you, it's possible to get into it. Um, and it's it's um, you know, in, and that is something. Of course, it's not like the fathers. I mean, it's quite easy to to um, misunderstand the fathers of the church, or, or kind of got the wrong end of the stick, or not to see it in context or something. But it, it's it's nothing like as difficult as this stuff. I mean, it really is. I mean, it 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 it, it the the whole process of these works and getting in to read these works is itself an illustration of what the works themselves describe which is this process of being inducted and enlightened and you roger you obviously you you've made that transition um and one of the things that you say in the book is that is that kind of you know your your some of your new age kind of you know the the, the higher ups the kind of the, the more you know the people who are the long term residents as it were Finhorn which is the kind of the people say it's the Vatican of the new age movement um they kind of treated you with a special respect after they realised that you were kind of reading this you know this is the real stuff this is the kind of the the the, the fonds at Origo um, of of the whole thing and um, we we. Well, I say we have to take this seriously. We have to take the idea seriously. I mean, I'm not suggesting that, that listeners of this podcast go off and start reading Alice Bailey because you'd probably go crazy. <laughs> I certainly would. <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, and it, it, it's not perhaps necessary. All you have to do is read Roger's books <laughs> and he'll tell you what you need to know. But I mean, that's a bit, that's a bit uh, frivolous. But it, it's, um, um, I think that there's something a little bit, and I don't want to say the New Age is the cult because that would be far too simplistic, but there's something a little bit like the, 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 the behaviour of a cult here, that, that, that one of the things that cults do is that they, they set up a sort of system of abstruse kind of um, 
terminology and stuff which only the initiates can understand and it's a it's a very good way of getting people to you know to to, to feel loyalty to the group to, to look down on outsiders um and to, to bring them into a kind of worldview which is kind of immune to criticism because you've been given this special thing yeah, which yeah. other people can't begin to understand and you can say oh they can't begin that's actually true it's actually literally true in this case to give them their due <laughs> yeah 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 so it's 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 a you know this whole thing of 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 wholesale bringing in of of eastern ideas but not quite in their original context um not quite in relation to 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 their own traditions um but chakras reincarnation um enlightenment uh bodhisattvas um and ascended masters and and until the, the <laughs> until one gets a headache about this um and um and the goal of, in, of enlightenment. Um, but to cut through the whole thing and just give listeners some idea of what's going on here. You mentioned earlier that, that the idea of Christian salvation is not what this is about. It's instead, it's enlightenment. Um, what, what is, what, what do they mean? What, what's the difference between salvation and enlightenment? I mean, in salvation, we know that we are not worthy of heaven. And Christ can sort that out for us. Yes. Um, he can save us from sin. And um, so we are worthy of heaven. So we can enter into friendship with God, with the life of grace. Um, and it, it's to do with an objective, an objective um, um, justice and uh, a, a God who exists outside our minds. Yes. yes. Um, the enlightenment which is sought in the new age um, is, well, Roger, I mean, are you able to say something about that? What, what, is, what, what is the um, goal? Yes, I, I will, yes. I mean, I think this really goes back to what you've been saying earlier with the matrix and about power. Just to see beyond the, the illusion. Yes, yes, yes. I actually think that this, this really would be at the core of much of what Alice Bailey is saying, beyond all the abstruse personality. Alice Bailey and theosophy in general are speaking about, you know, advancing through stages. As you advance through those stages, they're called initiations. Uh, you more and more learn that the world is illusory, um, Maya, and you develop power. Um, Alice Bailey, you know, was leading me while I was at Findhorn in a direction towards thinking about becoming more and more free from the illusion and becoming more and more powerful. Um, these writings were leading me, as I say, to a certain kind of arrogance. Um, and it certainly was not at all about a personal relationship with uh, God who saves me. Um, it was not about thinking about my sin. It was not about confessing my sin. Um, it wasn't really about good and evil. I, that, I have to qualify that. Actually, that no, that is an Alice Bailey in a certain way. But the whole idea is there about really very subtly. It's about power. Um, and as I say, you know, when I was at Findhorn, you know, I see this stuff as very much at the root of Findhorn. A lot of people 
don't really um I think I maybe need to say something about Fendor Joseph yes, just, 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 to, just to, to, to get at this. Um, so yes, you mentioned that Findhorn is seen as something like the Vatican. Um, you know, that's a, you know, I mean, Father Malachi Martin actually spoke about Findhorn as the Vatican City of the New Age movement. Um, that's maybe stretching things a bit. But um, I think what I want to point out here is that Findhorn is very, very central in the New Age movement. It's 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 a it's a key center, and it's very hard to describe actually what Findhorn is, um, because it's sui generis. It's not exactly like anything in particular, but a, a little bit like a lot of different things. So at one level, it's kind of like this hippie commune that sort of started in the sixties. Um, um, but unlike most hippie communes that were sort of here today, gone tomorrow it's still going strong 60 years later with hundreds of people there living in the north of Scotland. Um, it's an NGO, it's a non-governmental organization in the United Nations. It's an educational charity with you know, college accredited classes, Americans I think in particular, come over there and get college credit. It's a new age think tank. And yeah, this, this is a strange point. I was at Findhorn and I was told by very significant leading people there, you've got to go to Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey is really the core of everything here. So I'm coming back to this whole sense of the new age, again, in the Sansu stricto, not the sort of wide, broad, popular sense, but, but this, this Alice Bailey ideology is really at the core of places like Findhorn and Maliki Martin was not completely wrong in suggesting that Findhorn is the Vatican City of the New Age movement. So that, that is really why it's important. Um, and yeah, so you, you've, I'm sort of losing my thread here, but, but again, what's very important here in, in every way I'm thinking is that, as I say, most people at Findhorn, certainly today, you know, if you went there today, no way would they say this is an Alice Bailey Center or this is a Theosophy Center. You know, I was there in the early days and people really pointed me to this. I also spent a lot of time in the Findhorn archives, really going through the inspirations of the place, the roots of the place. Not all people at Findhorn were interested in these archives, but this Alice Bailey ideology of a new age is through and through this place and again, um, it works against Christianity. Um, so I already said Blavatsky was nakedly, militantly against Christianity. Alice Bailey tries to say nice things about Christianity, but really she means something very different. And Findhorn would have been filled with this idea of um, the Christ as or sorry, Christianity, as Christianity belonging to the age of Pisces. And in a subtle way, Findhorn is subtle. I have to really say subtle. Findhorn is not about the quest for salvation. The so-called universal spirituality at Findhorn is not about our relationship to a God who becomes personal incarnates, 
Dice Ross, Dice Rossin. You know, Findhorn is claiming to be this universal spirituality. Its key building there is called the Universal Hall. And it's not about any of these things. It's about this very specific sense of the new age in the sensu stricto. And I am going to say that what happened to me, really, really applying myself to Alice Bailey, as I say, I was becoming more and more arrogant. And I was actually seeking power. I see that now. At the time, at the time, Joseph, I need to qualify all this because, you know, it's not like um, I, I wasn't, it's very hard to get this into words, but it's like, as I thought about, you know, moving through this initiatory path, going through these initiations, um, there was like a hidden subtle idea there of more and more levels of power. It, it's all in there, the matrix, the matrix reflects this. But if I were to try to tell many new ages this or many people at Findhorn, they would say, what are you on about Roger? Because actually many of them are more with psychotherapy and more with other things. It's a very hidden thing. It's like, I had to, as I say, Joseph, when I finally, by the grace of God, found myself turning to the church, being confirmed as a Catholic in the year 2000, I've had to spend 20 years looking at all this stuff and trying to see where it was leading me and more and more, yes, I've come to the sense that my life was really about the search for power when I was young. I wasn't actually thinking that at the time but I see that in a certain way, Alice Bailey was really guiding me to that. I'm not sure how clear that is, but it's, <laughs> it's a start. I, I, I think that's, that's, no, that's helpful. Um, and I, I'm just thinking, how, how, how can we link that? Um, you know, what is the link between the Alice Bailey stuff um, and this, this sort of slightly more occulty type of, of flavor, um, if you like, of, of, the, of the new age um, and the actual stuff that's being you know, pumped out to the popular level, the stuff which is influencing the films and the songs and the, everything. <clears throat> um, it's funny, I, I, you, you, in our email correspondence uh, in preparation for this, you, you mentioned a song by, by uh, Kate Bush, which I know, Lily. Um, and I often wondered what Lily was all about. And you, you told me it was Kate Bush's new age guru, uh, Alice Bailey influenced guru. Yes, um, yes, yes. Um, and at one point in the song, um, Lily says to her, Take what I say with a pinch of salt and protect yourself with fire. <laughs> it's a funny line. It's kind of, there's a sort of element of bathos there, but it, 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 it's, it's <laughs> in a way, that's what these new age kind of, you know, the, the high level gurus are saying to us. Well, you don't really have to worry about all this, you know, this complicated stuff. Just sit in a room and you know, meditate on a kind of empty space, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And but, but what's the point of all that? Well, the point of all that is is to is to free you from um, your attachments, yes. um, to to to, um, to to make you feel that you you're not kind of you know you're 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 kind of in control of your life. Um, of course, there's, there's a lot to be said for that, um, and it can help, you know, it does help people. Let's not, you know, pretend it, it doesn't help anyone, it certainly does. Um, and ultimately, it's, of course, to free you from the sense of dependence on God. 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, to, yeah, to, to free us from, from the need for outside help because, um, well, I mean, I could quote, I, 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 in my day, I've been quite a Kate Bush fan. Um, and I could quote for hours, fun little things she comes out with, not just her, the Beatles and, you know, all the other pop groups. Um, and the message that, that it comes across at this very, very popular level, you know, is sung by children um, because they listen to these songs and they sing them and they don't know what they mean, but it kind of sticks in their minds. Um, it's, it's, it's about how um, every one of us, she says, every one of us has a heaven inside. Yes, yes, yes. We don't need no miracles. We don't need no Christ. Yes. We've got it all inside. Yes. So if only we can release that, that power, that independence, that that kind of um, that that kind of inner um, champion, um, then we can kind of emerge from all our weaknesses and and, and everything. And um, and they say actually the message is Christianity is for losers. Yes, yes, yes. It's for people who are weak. And I've, yes, I can't yes, yes. tell you how many times yes. I've heard this. And I, 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 I heard this, my, you know, members of my extended family, the younger generation, they say, oh, don't you think that his, Christian religion is like a crutch? Yes, yes. Like, well, what does that mean? Well, is atheism like a crutch? Is any belief system like a crutch? Well, what they mean is that you're, you're, you're leaning for support on something. Well, you bet we need something outside of ourselves because there are spiritual forces in this world who could crush us like beetles on the foot yeah. if it wasn't for the protection yes. we're given by, by God, by our guardian angels, by our baptism, by you know all these things that, that Christianity builds up. And I mean, to be fair to the Eastern traditions, they are very aware of this as well. You know, and you know, you, you you read these Buddhist writers here. I'm wishing on again. I'm sorry. <laughs> you read these Buddhist writers. For heaven's sake, don't go into deep meditation without a spiritual guide. You know, don't go. You know, and, and the, you know, yes, the, yes, the Hindus yes. would say, don't go off into the wild. You know, without some god on your side. Um, and it's it's actually it's a terrifying. You know, the spiritual, the inside. If you like, um, or the spiritual plane is a is a scary place, and this is one of the old things about the new age is that they they think that it's it's just totally positive, um, and this is one of the one of the one of the curious ways in which they reject their eastern um, progenitors is that they have this sunny optimism about what you find when you go deep inside. And it's 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 not it, it, as I you know the, to to hop back to what I was saying earlier they've they've kind of picked up a, a kind of enlightenment rejection of the idea of of um, original sin yes and yes. they're now inoculated against any suggestion that there might be a problem with human nature even from the most you know the, the the people they might most listen to, like Buddhists. <laughs> the Buddhists are like, oh, there's a problem here. Like, oh no, no, it's fine. It's fine. You just go into that into that realm without any protection, without any kind of spiritual forethought, and it'll be great. You know, you'll just find yourself. Well, no, there are scary things. Yeah. Um, that's what the spiritual masters uh, say. Indeed, to us. Indeed. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so 
Um, um, the final section of our of our uh, podcast is about why it's attractive, why this is attractive, and I and perhaps we said already quite a lot about what what that reason might be that, that to do with with healing, to do with power, to do with protecting yourself, um, and um, but it's it's there's something also specific though about why is attracted in the particular cultural milieu in which you, Roger, and I um, have both um, grown up, the kind of the, the Protestant, post-Protestant kind of Anglo-American um, world um, where Christianity has a certain kind of look for those born outside the Catholic Church, certainly, and increasingly for those born inside as well. Um, and um, well, why isn't why why do people who are a bit lost, um, as as back in there, many people feel they are a bit lost? Why don't they turn to Christianity in this in this world of ours, this cultural milieu? I'm going to take another little break, and I'm going to try to okay. respond to all that. Yes, let me just let's not hit the record button quite yet. I'm going to talk about why it's a okay. Okay, Joseph, well, you've said a great deal there that I'd actually like to comment on, but maybe we start, we're, we're nearing the end of this, and I think it's very important that we do focus on why is the new age attractive, but to be honest, I'd like to come back to you on certain things you said about Kate Bush, and so on and so forth, on, but um, let's, let's focus on why the new age is attractive. I really think that we are living in an age where Christianity has become impoverished. Um, you know, and it's obviously, you know, I've said already that the new age strikes me as above all an Anglo-American phenomenon. Um, so I think that a lot of new agers find the new age attractive precisely because they don't find Protestant Christianity um, attractive at all, but I'm a, I'm sad to say that with a lot of the sort of post-Vatican II expressions of uh, Christianity, they do sadly seem quite Protestant uh, a lot of the time. So you know we have a lot of evangelical and charismatic Catholicism that does resemble um, Protestant worship. Now I don't want to be very harsh to our sort of charismatic friends because often you'll find these people are very orthodox and very faithful. Um, but I want to say that I think for the kind of person a new ager is, this kind of Christianity is like a real turnoff. And uh, here I may, maybe I actually speak about my own story. So as I say, I grew up largely in America, but then I also, let, let's start with America. Um, so my experience will be different here from British people, but I grew up in an America where it was still very Christian, but it was Christian in this very literalistic, fundamentalist um, way. It's like every Sunday morning on American television, when I was growing up, there was something like six, seven, eight channels at that time, and all but one of them had Christian programming. And it was of this, you know, fundamentalist nature. You may remember a figure called Jerry Falwell, people like this, um, you know, creationist um, Christianity, people speaking about um, 
telling me that what Christianity was about is that I had to believe that the world was created in seven 24-hour periods. And, you know, I know that even goes back to certain people, you know, calculating the world was 4,000 years ago or something like that. I don't have all the roots of it now. But this put me off Christianity completely, this kind of Protestant evangelical Christianity. And then um, at age 16, I moved to Britain and I actually had a grandfather who was a Congregationalist minister. And I was obliged to go to church and I had to sit through these long interminable sermons, um, you know, with these utterly banal hymns and that's all church was to me. It was these 40 minute sermons or maybe 30 minute sermons with a bunch of utterly boring hymns. <laughs> and so there's an example of me as someone who's being shown Christianity and I'm not being told anything about the Catholic mystery. I'm not being told anything about the sacraments. I'm being shown that Christianity is Jerry Falwell and this kind of congregationalism. Mm. Um, so yes, I think that the new age is an American, above all American phenomenon that has maybe grown out of reaction to Jerry Falwell, um, has grown out of reaction to Protestantism. As I say, sadly, it's actually sometimes grown out of um, maybe reaction to Protestant II, or sorry, to Vatican II, um, expressions of Vatican II, post-Vatican II Catholicism. I mean, you brought up Kate Bush. It's interesting. Um, Kate Bush um, is half Irish. Um, she was raised as a Catholic, but largely, largely, um, in the sort of post-Vatican II expressions of Catholicism, and she's now a lapsed Catholic who's following, or who was following, like an Alice Bailey-inspired guru. Um, so that's a very good example of how this dense, abstruse cosmology of theosophy of Alice Bailey then becomes popularized. Kate Bush is a very good example, and it's, it's kind of striking for me that Kate Bush has actually taken the reverse journey to me. She's lo lost her Catholicism and she's now following this. I mean, I don't know what she's doing now, but you know, she was certainly very inspired by this Alice Bailey. Um, and she's a very talented, you know, I like Kate Bush. I'm very fond of her. Um, so we have something really very tragic here that modern Christianity, whether it's in sort of Protestant forms like Jerry Falwell, or whether it's in charismatic evangelical Christianity, is just going to turn New Agers off. And maybe Kate Bush was turned off by her post-Vatican II, you know, Catholicism. Um, I don't know her story, but I think we really have to look at the failure of Christianity. And I think what's what's relevant here for me is that really I had no idea of what Catholic Christianity was until I was like 34 years old. I think you know you are doing so much great needed work to promote the Latin Mass in England and I ask myself what would have happened if you know at age 16 I wasn't sort of 
exposed to Protestant fundamentalists telling me the world was created in seven 24 hour periods, uh, but I had been exposed to the Latin mass. I think that it would have startled and shocked me. I think that I would have sensed something numinous and sacred that the Latin mass signals. So yeah, I think you and I are both deeply agreed that there is no greater problem in the Catholic Church today than the problem of the liturgy. Um, so basically we find new agers, you know, um, it's not just me, it's not just Kate Bush, it's millions of people. It's very, very sad. It's very, very sad who do not find something numinous. They do not find um, a sense of sacred mystery in, in the churches they go to. In fact, something that I actually like to say just as a tiny little signal. I use this a lot. I say this, these two words, Catholic mystery, the Catholic mystery, the Catholic mystery. And why I say that, you know, when I'm speaking to New Agers is because I'm trying to just give them like a little signal that Christianity is not what they think it is. You know, I just was ripe, just absolutely prepared for this message that Christianity was this dead thing belonging to the age of Pisces. It was beyond its sell-by date. Um, and, and the real thing was, was to be found in these new age forms of, as I say, subtle power. Um, so I think we have, to, we have to really look at the failure of Christianity. And, you know, as Catholics, I'm afraid we have to look at the failure of the post-Vatican II church. I, I wonder what you yeah. have to say there. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I agree. I agree very much. And I, I think, well, perhaps even more significantly, I think Pope John Paul II um, agrees as well. And I have uh, some quotations from him in the, in the position paper, um, which, which I'll, I'll just reiterate here, because it's, it's, I think it's quite, it's quite useful back in the 80s when, when, when he was, was thinking about these things. He, he noted that the followers of the New Age desire to go beyond a cold rationalistic religiosity. And I think there's a, there's a great deal in that phrase a cold rationalistic religiosity and Pope John Paul II saw that what, what is driving people into New Age is the fact that, this, that they're not seeing something living, um, something genuinely spiritual in, um, in the Catholic Church or and let alone in, in other churches. Um, and again, he went on to say, um, Pastors must honestly ask whether they have paid sufficient attention to the thirst of the human heart for the true living water, which only Christ our Redeemer can give. They should insist on the spiritual dimension of faith, on the perennial freshness of the gospel message and its capacity to transform and renew those who accept it. Unquote. So, and this again um, is... is um, related to something Stratford Caldicott, late Stratford Caldicott, um, a convert from the Baha'i faith, interestingly enough, he said about the New Age um, in a Catholic Truth Society booklet. He's, he described it as, um, he said that the, what they want, what people want in the New Age is a transforming contact with mystery. Um, so what, what, what the rules, what Pope John Paul II and, and Stratford have been saying is that, um, Christianity has not presented itself sufficiently clearly to the, the, these seekers 
um, as something which can transform them, yeah. as something which is genuinely spiritual and not merely rationalistic. Mm. And and I'm afraid I have to agree with you, Roger, that, that, that a lot of post-Vatican II Catholicism is is rationalistic it's it's yes. it's it's not doesn't emphasize its transformative potential it, it what it's trying to do in fact some of the some of the architects of, of the vatican II liturgy and you know theological reassessment and everything actually make this quite clear what they're what they're responding to is the is the challenge of the enlightenment 200 years too late you might say but perhaps never <laughs> better late than never they, they, they transform they're, they're, they're reacting to a completely different challenge they're reacting to the challenge which says the Catholic Church is obscurantist and um, mysterious in a bad sense, um, in irrational, and look at these lies of the saints, and look at all this nonsense of the liturgy and these rituals, what's all that about? And they say, okay, okay, we, we, we surrender, we, 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 you know, we'll cut out all, the, all that um, and just get back to the, the, the straightforward, you know, the, the inner logic of the thing. And what the inner logic turns out to be for a lot of a lot of um, uh, people formed in the in the kind of the post-Vatican II seminaries and things turns out to be something which is not terribly spiritual. Yes, yes. it's 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 rationalistic. You know, every miracle is explained away. Um, in every sacrament is explained as just oh well, it's just an, you know an effect on you because you believe in it. Um, the, the the role of God is 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 downplayed. Um, and I, I know I, I, I'm not saying this is a kind of polemical point. I mean, this is the Christianity. This is the Catholicism I grew up with. Yeah. You know, until I discovered the traditional mass, and I and I knew this debate was going on. But there was a, I, I, I had contact with this every day. Um, you know, priests giving retreats, uh, preaching, uh, teaching <clears throat> religious studies. Um, it was just. It was. It was a. It was. And I rebelled against it. People in my generation rebelled against it. Um, and, and they continue to do so, thank goodness. Um, you know, but it's, it's, it's become a standing joke that, you know, a certain kind of priest can't tell the parable, you know, the, the, the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves without coming out with some ridiculous debunking story about how everyone got their sandwiches out. Like, well, what's the point of that kind of preaching? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a self-defense, it's, it's defending yourself against a challenge which is now irrelevant. Yeah. It's 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 we're defending ourselves against a challenge which was a challenge to the church two hundred years ago. Yes, the challenge has moved on. Yes. Now people are challenging us from the opposite direction. They're not saying, "Oh, we can't believe your miracles." Yes. They're saying, "Show us something that is genuinely spiritual, touched by God, that you claim to believe in." And we can't do it anymore. At least a lot of a lot of a lot of Catholic you know, teaching, practice, liturgy can't do that because it's it's you know it's bending over backwards to appease the rationalists. Um, yeah. So it 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 we we've gonna we've really we've really lost out. I mean, I, I don't I don't say that you know the, the the people who made these changes you know weren't weren't being sincere. They weren't being genuinely trying to help the church, um, but. Goodness me, you know, it, the world's a fast moving place. Intellectual world's a fast moving place. And you, you know, you, you respond, you actually, the, what the church has got to do is always be faithful to itself. Uh, be faithful to the deposit given to it by Christ. 
Um, and now we find, you know, the, 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 these, the, well, it's not just a, a, a small phenomenon, as we were saying before, you know, it's not just even a matter of the, you know, relatively small numbers of people, you know, millions, um, nevertheless millions, <laughs> relatively small numbers in world terms who are explicitly going over the new age. It's everyone who is being subtly influenced by the message of, you know, Star Wars, you know, Kate Bush, and everything like that, um, to seek this inner transformation, this spiritual transformation from resources within, and therefore implicitly reject the, the salvation offered by Christ. Yes, yes. Um, and that is, I'm to say that's a disaster, which would find this in art word strong enough to express how much of a disaster that is. Um, and that's that's where we are. That's where we are. And, and this is this is not just drawing people away from the faith, but it's blocking the entry of the faith into the hearts of our contemporaries. Yes. Yes, I I I think you've said excellent things there, Joseph. I mean, I'm glad you've actually complimented what I said about my growing up with this evangelical Christianity or my congregationalist grandfather um, by this pointing out that Vatican II has embraced this rationalist enlightenment. You know, it's trying to respond to that. And 200 years later, we're actually finding that people are thirsting for the sacred, thirsting for the numinous, thirsting for miracles, and they're not being given it. So you've actually brought out another dimension uh, that I wasn't mentioning, but I'm sure that was part of my thinking all those years as well, that I just found Christianity rationalistic. It, it didn't speak to me of mysterious things. And yes, you, as you said, I think you said something like catastrophe isn't a good enough word for it. Uh, we, we are facing an immense catastrophe, an immense tragedy, um and i'm very very grateful for you um both giving me the opportunity to speak um also pointing people to my books because i think frankly i'm probably a better writer than i am a speaker um i'm grateful to you making such very important and very good points about this because it's it's an extremely serious and it's an extremely sad and it's an extremely sad um, problem. I mean, I think I'd just like to, I know we've got to finish in a minute, but I think I'd just like to say this about myself. And I know that I'm just one of, of, of millions. Since I've taken, if you like, the reverse journey to Kate Bush, um, and I found maybe a form of Catholicism that she didn't have, you know, a Catholicism where, you know, I do take the sacrament of confession very seriously. I feel cleansed by this. Every month I go to confession. Sometimes I, I obviously need to go more than that. But there is, I really do have an experience of, of cleansing there. I, you know, obviously we're living in these strange COVID times, but in normal times, I try to get to mass daily. And the new age was telling me all these years, you don't need any of that. You don't need any of that. You don't need sacraments. You don't need priests. And yet I feel this as a very living thing inside of myself that I could never, ever have found this had I remained a new ager. 
And yet all the time, I'm sort of being told by the new age, I can do it myself. I mean, that's a sort of very popular image I sometimes use of the new age, that new age is DIY, do it yourself spirituality. Mm. Um, and through incredible grace, um, you know, I have a conversion story. We won't go into it now. It's in my books. I also have videos about it on a YouTube channel. But, but I was rescued from this. I was rescued from the new age. I'm now in the very sad situation that, you know, there are friends of mine, people I know now in their 50s and 60s, and I know they're going to be basically new age all their life. I actually think it becomes, it, I mean, this is another just maybe final point. This ideology is potent, it's powerful, it strangles the mind. Um, and, and you get into this idea that there's this one universal spirituality and you're done for in a way. It's very, very hard um, to break free from this. And so we have, you know, um, we have an enormous job on our hands here, helping people to break free from this. And, and it's going to work on all different kinds of levels. So there's the kind of level that you are working to promote real liturgy. Um, that is going to speak to, as I say, New Agers like myself might have been deeply shocked if they realized that that was what Christianity is about. But then, of course, there's the intellectual work that you are also doing. And, and I'm trying to do in my books, you know, in my own way as well, um, of helping to somehow disentangle people from this um, beast, really. Um, and it's like, yeah, um, there's something else that you said that I wanted to pick up on, but mm, I've lost it now. But but yeah, that, uh, we, we do live in a world of spiritual forces and powers, and many of them are not very pleasant. Um, you know, when, when Alice Bailey and Blavatsky, you know, really work, 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 work to destroy Christianity, I rather suspect that there are rather unpleasant influences working through them. Um, that's another whole topic. We won't get into that. But we live in a world like that. And and yes, our rationalistic, enlightened, post-Vatican II Christianity, you know, isn't speaking to us about dark powers. And, and we need to take that seriously as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, Roger, it's been a privilege talking to you. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Um, and, and this is something which we're already planning. Um, and I hope this may even be a, an immediate sequel um, to this podcast. Uh, in the meantime, everyone um, can read Roger's books. I keep mentioning them, but actually, I think the general tradition is specifically is something which is really valuable for those um, not just outside the traditional movement, but also outside the Christianity. So you, it's, a, it's a book which is unthreatening um, and a um, introduction to to. Um, what we're all about um, but until next time thank you very much Roger um, and uh, and God bless you thank you Joseph what a privilege to talk to you thank you this podcast was brought to you by the Latin Mass Society we hope you enjoyed it and would appreciate your rating and podcast on the platform you're using you'll find some more information and links relating to the talk in the show notes which you can see on a page dedicated to the IOTA Una podcast series on our website 
The Latin Mass Society promotes the celebration of the ancient Latin liturgy of the Catholic Church in England and Wales, organising masses and training events and defending and explaining the liturgical tradition in the context of the Catholic liturgy and thought. If you would like to find out more, do visit our website and consider joining us or giving us a donation. You'll find a big red donate button in the top right hand corner. Thank you.